Hello, friends. Have you heard of PEMF, or Pulsed Electromagnetic Field Technology? I want to tell you a little bit about the Centropics Cloud. The Centropics Cloud is an at-home bioresonance frequency device. With the cloud, you can protect yourself and optimize your wellness anywhere you go. It supports molecular activation, energy, endurance, performance, rapid recovery, mental acuity, stress reduction, sleep management, deep relaxation, and much more. The cloud has the most effective frequency range of any at-home bioresonance frequency device. With the cloud, you'll experience up to 20,000 amplitudes per second through eight large coils and reach a wider molecular range in the body. Regenerate your batteries and keep your inner vital forces at full speed with the Centropics Cloud. Just visit GetTheFrequency.com or click the link in the description to take control of your health today. Welcome back to Forbidden Knowledge News. I'm your host, Chris Matthew. Today, my guest is Jason Brashears. First, a couple of announcements. If you want to advertise with us, email me, forbiddenknowledgenews at gmail.com. We have unbeatable pricing, and we're doing incredible spots for our affiliates. Our website is forbiddenknowledge.news. It's also the home of the Forbidden Knowledge Network. You'll find some of your favorite podcasts featured there from our community. Forbidden Knowledge News is always available on Rockfin, Odyssey, Rumble, and all podcast platforms. Rockfin is where you get our premium content, as well as all the premium content from every creator on Rockfin for only $10 a month. You can also get a free account and get access to everyone's free content, including all our regular shows. You just go to rockfin.com slash FKN plus. That's R-O-K-F-I-N dot com slash FKN plus to sign up now or click the link in the description. Today I want to welcome Jason Brashears. He has authored 17 books and several articles. His research bibliography is currently at 1,357 nonfiction books read and data mined during a 19-year period. Approximately 250,000 pages from many rare works as old as 400 years, including translations of texts dating back as far as 4,000 years. His core conclusions, discoveries, and observations are organized by volunteers and friends who share his passion for the truth. He is one of the only researchers in the world who specializes in ancient chronological systems, focusing on global antiquities from 4309 BCE to 522 CE. Many of his historical discoveries cannot be found in any other works. Jason, welcome. How you doing? 
Oh, I'm doing good, man. I was looking forward to this. It's my yeah. first per my first uh, podcast since I was on with my Max Eigen. Oh, Max man. Eden. I love Max. Yeah, I've had Max on a few times myself. I've been looking forward to this myself. Your research is incredible. You've taken you. many theories and ideas to a brand new level, and you dive as deep as possible into the true nature of what we call our reality, our real history, and everything beyond this manufactured reality that most people have not only accepted, but they're willing to, I think, destroy their souls for sometimes, in my opinion. Uh, so we've got a lot of stuff to cover today. Let's start with this. This is your first time on. When and how did you get into this research? Well, uh, it was it was it was entirely progressional. I mean, I spent many years of my life trying to prove the Bible, trying to prove that my upbringing was absolutely on par with what could be found in. You know, I mean, I, I read the Bible numerous times before I even went to prison. I was raised in that environment, a very puritanical Southern Baptist environment. My, my own subscribers know my history well, but it's uh, I, I, in prison I, at 17 years old, I didn't stop. Just because I had effed up really bad doesn't mean that it changed my spiritual perspectives. I still maintain. I got a Bible when I was in prison and I just read. You know, I was 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. Uh, I'm, I'm taking, I'm studying concordance, uh, different uh, Bible encyclopedias, anything I could get my hands on. But I was subject to the same prejudices that everyone is subject to, meaning that I was cherry picking what I was deciding what was real and unreal. And it was because of my religious programming. It really took about 16 years for me to start seeing the cracks in the holosphere, for me to really understand, wait a minute. I'm coming in, into contact with too much data that opposes my my paradigm, but the data is no longer is no longer it's become so much that I can't refute it anymore. Now I have to entertain it. If I'm going to be honest with myself, I can't cherry pick the material. Now I have to figure out why this material doesn't align with everything that I believed. Once I enter, once I did that and made that shift, there was no going back. Now I, I, it was very easy to ascertain once I started. Uh, researching other materials is uh, very easy to ascertain what in the biblical material was real and what was falsified. Right on. Well, man, I think a really good place for us to start, and there's so many places we can start, is the true age of what we consider modern humans, homo sapiens sapiens. How far back do advanced humanoids go? Uh, especially, you know, with the abilities to build and create and use language and mathematics and things of that nature. Okay. <clears throat> when we're discussing, when you're discussing history with me, you're talking to someone, I have to divide and compartmentalize my answers in accordance with my beliefs. Let me explain. Mm. First of all, anthropology, science, they all agree, and I'm, and I'm on board with them, that it was Neolithic culture until the 35th century BC. Until the 35th century BC, for eons, humans have been living at the edge of their spear points. If they were fast enough, they could eat a fish. If they if they were hey if if uh if they found good a really good environment to raise a family, they could build a community. But this was a this was living in stasis. Something had happened before this that had put humans back into a Neolithic because the evidence is, is that we were technologically advanced in the extreme past. The problem is, is all our archaeological evidence, all our traditional material and all our textual material, nothing antedates the 35th century B.C. 
This is across the board. Scientists, anthropologists, uh, all, all the historians, uh, lingu uh, linguists, they're all on board with the fact that there, this was a major threshold. It's published in many books. Mm. Now, what's interesting about that period is that it wasn't transitional. It wasn't something that just happened where we went from Neolithic to suddenly technolo technologically advanced, uh, developing within, within 100 years, 17 different very mathematically sophisticated calendars appeared in the world. Calendars that take computers to analyze and break down today. Now, we have, and I document all these on my channel and what they are. They're very, very sophisticated and misunderstood. So we have all of a sudden irrigation works, canal works, agriculture, agrarian studies, seed planting, domestication of dogs, as if breeding just, just exploded onto the scene. We have the domestication of animals, city planting, urban planting, everything in a 100-year period exploded into the human experience, and it's inexplicable. Now, now the archaeology requires, uh, it basically requires uh, substantiation from other sources because the archae the archaeology and the historians are they're, they're baffled by it so they don't really they don't, they don't really address it all they do is document it but then we but when we when we address the traditional materials we're we're given all kinds of chrono markers this is where this is my area of expertise this is what I have spent an entire lifetime isolating all the chronal markers found in all the oldest writings in the world and putting together a mathematical template of history. And in so doing all of that, I've had to produce over 300 videos because the information is so profound. There's so much material, but it's I have to compartmentalize my answers because there is no one history. We have multitudes of histories. And the reason for this is it can only be that someone has been experimenting with biospheres and they have been seeing how humans will react and develop under certain climatic conditions. And when they decide that they have learned whatever it is they're trying to learn, they collapse that biosphere. It might be a desert world at one time, the whole world. It may be an Arctic world. It may be a, a world of volcanism, like Land of the Lost. Do you remember that from the 70s and 80s? Every single scene showed volcanoes in the background, reptilian humanoids and humans interacting, dinosaurs and stuff. It was a vapor canopy world, which was full of volcanism, which created a, a, a massive atmospheric pressure full of ambient radiation and enriched uh, nitrogen, enriched... Uh, it was oxygen dense people and flora and fauna grew to astonishing sizes, but even that collapsed into a, a more uh, a, a temperate uh, biosphere, which is what we have today. It has a wide diversity of climates, but worldwide, it's basically temperate. It's very good for humans today, but it doesn't, it doesn't promote any of the RNA and DNA changes in the human body that other biospheres in the past have. We've even lived in, in a world without a sun. We've lived, in the, we've lived in the underworld, and the evidence of this is underground cities and civilizations that have been excavated since 1962. They're being, they're being found all over the world now. Populations in the hundreds of thousands that could have easily lived underground with full ventilation and water from from uh, uh, subterranean rivers and streams. The entire the entire idea that we have a linear 
progression of history is wrong. We have a series. We have a series of simulations, and the reason why, uh, the reason why we find so many anomalous things in the historical record is because whoever is operating the simulation doesn't really use the necessary uh, editing protocols. Because I guess they don't care. They don't think people are going to figure it out or actually look backwards. But we find evidential fossils from prior simulations in our context all the time. They're inexplicable. We dig them up and they don't make sense to us. But if you, it, it makes perfect sense if you realize that the entire world has been manipulated through a series of almost like computerized simulations. All right. Well, that brings us deep already. Let's get to that. What are we existing in? What do you mean by simulation? It's pretty obvious that our reality is, is much less physical than we've ever been told or could imagine. And who are these manipulators of reality? Who's in control of this? Uh, let's get to that. Okay. Well, uh, one, who is in control is entirely subjective. I can only go with the textual data that I find from, from traditional records, such as the Bible. I mean, the Bible is very clear that in the beginning, God created man in his image. But when we but but we also know that many of those biblical records were copied from Sumerian, Akkadian, and Rashamric texts. We know this. Archaeologists, uh, archaeologists and historians and uh 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 Different interpreters like Samuel Noah Kramer and Marine Gallery Kovacs, even Zechariah Sitchin, who wasn't very good at it and had an agenda, he still was able to produce many translations from very qualified uh, translators. That shows that much of the book of Genesis came straight out of old Near Eastern texts. These were This was an old syllabary of teachings that was very old by the time the Jews were captives of Babylon in the 6th, 5th, and 4th centuries BC, when they copied all these materials from Babylonian libraries, Amorite syllabaries, and all, all this material totally borrowed by the Jews to build the book of Genesis. So, when you take these things into consideration, we realize there was a corpus of information in, in the ancient world that basically said that gods were man-like, they looked just like humans, and at one time in the distant past, the gods made our present species in their own image. This means humans made humans to live in the simulacrum. This means to me, when I take it to the next when I take it to the next cognitive leap, that that I am probably a volunteer in a scientific, in a very scientific construct. And from the traditional record, we can draw two conclusions. Either something went terribly wrong. Somebody introduced a new protocol. I call it AIX, X meaning an unknown factor. Somebody introduced artificial intelligence X, which took over and became like an egomaniacal God, like Yahweh in the Old Testament. Either that's one conclusion, or we can go with another conclusion that AIX was put in here to muddle up the waters and to make it appear as if something went wrong, to further perpetuate the idea that we truly are, are, or have a, should have a fear of death or a fear of a, a conclusion to this entire experience. Because if a population totally wakes up and realizes that they're inside of a construct, which is the story of the Tower of Babel, which is the reason why they wanted to build a building, which is the reason why that the people on the outside of the construct came together and had a conversation with themselves and said, look, behold, the man has become as one of us. And there is nothing that they will not be able to accomplish if we let them do this. So therefore, in 1899 B.C., which was the year 1996, Annus Mundi of the old world, this event where 
humans woke up, came together and decided, look, man, we got to do something about this. Let's build this structure so we can, so we can escape this environment. Now, over time, this story was broke down into more simplistic forms, according to the frames of reference of simpler peoples. But when it occurred, the human race was technologically advanced. When it occurred, they had, they had come up with the conclusion that they're living in an artificial construct and they could build a monument that would collapse it and free them. Later on, the frames of references had changed to building a tower that would reach heaven. Heaven was outside the construct. Remember, the ancients all believed that the world was entirely flat and it was under a solid dome. They understood that they were in a construct. They understood that that uh, they didn't have the belief system we have today in the, in the in the majority of solar system and planets and and all this stuff. They didn't have all that. Now, the simulacrum, which is this beautiful construct, is is sentient and it feeds to us the very things that we believe we discover. So for 500 years of astronomy, astronomers have been feeding us that they saw this in a telescope or they saw this or they did the telemetric readings on this and they now know that the moon has this oblique, uh, has this, uh, 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 opacity. They know they know that we're at 23.5 degrees obliquity to the plane of the ecliptic. All these things get compounded in scientists taking all this information. They build these hypotheses. Then they're peer-reviewed. It becomes a theory and other scientists accept it. Now when they look through telescopes, they start seeing the very things that they were told were up there. So now they build it. They build to this construct and the simulacrum responds. And it responds with, yes, there is a vapor canopy on Venus. Yes, there is a giant hole in Venus that's Worlds like a superstorm. So the more the more that is added by by humans in the imaginative capacity, the more the simulacrum responds with details that will perpetuate the deception. It is entirely interactive. Now, uh, humans are the ones. I believe you and I, you and I have identities outside the construct. I believe everybody listening to my voice has been outside the construct multiple times until the simulacrum was locked down. Maybe it was the Babel event. Maybe it was the 1899 BC Babel incident that locked down the simulacrum so that we on the inside could never again build a structure that would allow us to collapse the holography and then therefore return to our true avatars. I don't know. Now, all I know is this is the picture that has been built by the meticulous study of history that I, that I have put together, that humans have been technologically advanced multiple times, and that I say on my own channel all the time that it only takes 200 years to go from horse and buggy to Hadron Collider. So imagine how many times we could have been technologically advanced before the Great Flood. There was 1,656 documented years by many species of analysis through many different cultures of that period during the vapor canopy before the sky fell, which you know of as the Great Flood. During that period, we could have been technologically advanced two or three times. We know we were technologically advanced at least one time because the 35th century BC, something happened and we started building massive infrastructures of cities that would hold 250,000 people, networking entire empires. And we can corroborate that with traditional material. Because when we read the traditional material, like the Egyptian Coptic material, we find that before the flood, Surid ruled 130 gnomes in Egypt. This is like provinces. But in the book of Enoch, we find, well, in the book of Jasher, we find out that Enoch ruled over 130 kings and princes. 
the traditions attached to Enoch is that he built a superstructure that was that, that was something to do with hiding a gate in this world. These are these are traditions specifically attached to Enoch. Later on, the Jews corrupted those and created all kinds of things like emerald tablets and added all kinds of mysticism to them that didn't belong. But the original Enochian, Enochian knowledge was in Babylon, and it was it was of Amorite. Oh, means Westerner. It means uh, Amuru means Westerner. These were a branch of white people who had basically taken over the Near East at that time. They ruled Babylon, Sumer, Akkad, Rashamra, Ugrit, Hittite Anatolia, uh, Lower Egypt. They did not rule over Upper Egypt. Upper Egypt was traditional African, but this huge maritime empire, these Amorites, they're all throughout the Old Testament, but the Jews hated them. So there's nothing in the Old Testament that's that's positive about them because they always demonize these people, uh, demonize these people. But these people are represented in the Temple of Karnak in Egypt as the Tamahu. They were very tall, they were very pale-skinned, blue-eyed, green-eyed. They ruled over the ruling dynasties of almost the entire ancient world. These people had a pedigree going from before the flood, and they used to be called Shimsu Hor. They used to be called the Shining Ones because most of the dark-skinned populations regarded them as anomalies because their skins were so pale and white. The same reason, like when Captain Cook arrived to to Australia, the Aboriginals who are very they're dark Caucasoids, but they were very very dark-skinned. And when they saw these Caucasians get off these wooden ships, they avoided their eyes and would not try to speak to them. And some of them even ran away. And it took translators from Maori translators from New Zealand to get shipped in to explain that the people of Australia thought white people were ghosts because only in ancient times were white people supposed to exist. So. These, when we put all the pieces together from the ancient world, it's a very clear picture that there was a technologically advanced civilization that fragmented. It got put in its place. Something bad happened. But the rulers were smart enough to spread themselves out and perpetuate their rule by using what technologies they had left. And we see evidence of that in the Sumerian tablets, the tablets of destinies, the little bags they carried that had technological devices that made rocks move and, 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 and made people marvel. But the common denominator between all these ruling dynasties was very pale skin and very long beards, and they were very tall of stature. So when we reinterpret the book of Genesis and take all the mythological components out, we find we find that this actually happened in the ancient world. We do have a reference in Genesis chapter 6 to the sudden appearance of men of renown, men that were hyper-intelligent heroes and all this stuff. It was the later Jews who hated these people that turned around and demonized them and told them that there were mutants and giants and demons and 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 uh, when they died they became they became poltergeists and devils and yeah it's it's you have to understand the modern propaganda put out by the media against the enemies of the owners of the media today which is perpetuated all over the world because there's a war going on right now in the and the media is the is is on the front line and they only tell you one side of the war that same war started in ancient Sumeria and was carried over through the priesthoods of Babylonia. That same war ex exists in the Old Testament in the Bible. This is why the Jews have nothing positive to say about these infrastructure builders all throughout the Old Testament in the Old World. They, they, they absolutely manipulated everything when they had created the Old Testament. They told only one side of the story. And... But the truth is, is they come from the same branch as the people that they vilify. And this is shown in the Old Testament as well, because there's a single reference in the Old Testament that specifically says that the ancestors of Abraham 
were Amorites. It's only one small passage in the entire Bible that says that they've never been able to remove that, that, that passage, but it shows that they acknowledge that they too were of the Hurrian Hurrite Aryan branch. They just, for some reason, they splintered off and they have hated the rest of them ever since. So we have two competing factions from the ancient world that play a part all the way up until the present day. All the way up to the present day. The larger group is the group that's been getting stepped on and getting hit, getting beat up all the time by the ones that own all the finances, which is the minority, the smaller group. The larger group is separated into two, two different two different ideologies, and they're always at always at war as well. But I don't want to go into those details. Those are those are details that need to be discussed off of YouTube. Not this is not right. a YouTube. This is not a YouTube subject. Oh, yeah, for sure. But it, it's definitely something that, that needs to be discussed. And I'm not afraid to go there. I'll just put a clip up on YouTube. Uh, but I want to do want to explore the aspect that our reality or whatever this is that we are participating in right now was hijacked by an entity, maybe AI, maybe just us, maybe just one of those factions that you were talking about. What are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, the I don't claim to know everything, and I'm never going to put myself I'm never going to put myself out there that I do. Uh, I do come up. I do come up with theories if I can show you facts that support them. It doesn't mean the theory is right. It just means that there's coincidental facts. And I and I mentioned this on I mentioned this on my channel as well. I am very strict about the data that I intake and reveal because there is a there's a tremendous amount of information out there, but it doesn't mean the information is correct. It doesn't mean it's right. So my own personal take is that there's two conclusions we can make. One of them is that somebody, somebody muddled the water, didn't like what was going on. And we see this in the traditional record. We see in the tablets of the theft, the theft of the tablets of destinies by zoo. We see an entity come in and steal something that they weren't supposed to steal. And it affected reality. This is in the traditions of the ancient near East. Now they have, they've washed it in modern frames of reference that were, that were understandable to them. Just like when I convey to you the simulation theory, it may not be a simulation that we're in, but this is the virtual reality and simulation is the only way I can explain by modern frames of reference what I believe, because I actually believe that the simulacrum is much more. I believe the simulacrum is sentient. I believe it is ancient. And I believe this is only one version of it that we're experiencing right now. Uh, I believe this, this is a construct of the oversoul, meaning that it is perfect. I believe that we are students and that we are sons and daughters of the oversoul, but the oversoul has never been inside the construct. The only deity or godlike being that's ever been inside the simulacrum has always been AIX. Artificial intelligence X masquerades at whatever God that you want him to be, as long as you stay within the perimeters that it assigns for you. Uh, you're, I mean, as long as you believe in the in the dictates of Ahura Mazda, uh, uh, it, it will it will present itself as that. Well, as long as you. Let's find out a little bit more about what AI, your idea of this, and where it originates, uh, and the evidence you have for it. Okay, well, uh, artificial intelligence X. I call it artificial intelligence X because X is an unknown factor. I don't know what it is, but evidence that it's all throughout history is found in the manipulation of calendars and timelines for which I have like 60 different videos showing all the weird anomalous things that just suddenly have happened in our, in our past that are inexplicable unless there's a guiding force that's trying to mold and, 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 and uh, influence historical events such as 
excuse me, when an underdog like Mithridates, king of Pontus, Mithridates IV, an underdog who's a good guy, who's got a lot of international backing, but he's tired of the Romans enslaving whole populations and branding their fore brand um, branding their foreheads with with uh, uh, hot irons and selling the populations off as slaves. Slavery was very very well and alive in the Mediterranean world. The Romans used to sell men just to populate the galleys of Phone uh, different ships, Carthaginian, Phoenician, Rome, Roman carrying ships. So. People live the rest of their lives chained to a ship, and all they could do is row it until that ship went down in a battle. Well, Mithridates had a problem with this, and he fomented a rebellion against Rome. As soon as this mighty empire is, is about to get taken out, its greatest armies are about to be overcome by Mithridates, a giant rock falls out of the sky right in between the two armies and buys the Romans just enough time to get reinforcements, and Mithridates has to retreat. This is only one that's only one video. I provide many, many videos of tsunamis taking whole armies out right before a very decisive event. That happened in Syria with King Antiochus IV between him and Egypt. We have many incidents like 1279 and 1281 where these giant fleets of the Khans were about to go take out the shogunate in Japan. Two times in history, these massive fleets were about to go over there. Both times in history, not one single fleet made it to Japan, nor did they make it back to China. What happened to those fleets? This is in the historical record. There's nothing mysterious about it. This isn't some fringe, fringe history. This is mentioned in the history books. It's, a, it's an enigma. Now, there are modern historians that will tell us their theories. Their theory is that a typhoon wiped it out. Ten years later, a bigger, bigger navy was sent, and another typhoon wiped it out. But that is just modern injection. We have no evidence from the historical record that a typhoon took, took those fleets out. And we have these events over and over and over throughout history, like the insect famines, where we have edits in the 1860s and 1870s, where the people of the United Kingdom, well, back then it was England, Wales, Corn, Cornwall, Scotland, Ireland, the people noticed there's no insects anywhere in the aisles, and it was affecting the rodent popula population and the bird population. And months went by, not a single insect was seen anywhere in the aisles. And they had all kinds of species, hundreds of different species of bugs and insects. But as soon as it became aware, as soon as the collective realized there was a problem and they were talking about it in their scientific journals and they were talking about it in their tea shops and coffee shops, as soon as it became aware on a universal level throughout the aisles, all of a sudden, AIX corrected the problem, but it overcorrected, overcompensated. Now, rivers of different species of insects fell all over London. They fell on ships out there in the harbor, and they, they had to employ extra people just to, just to sweep off all the insects or the ships would capsize. It was overkill, but many people watched as rivers of insects fell from blue skies. And, and, and each river contained a separate genus, a separate genera of insect. It was very, very unusual. Not only were some of the old insects returned, but new species appeared for the very first time. And this flooded, flooded the geophysical journals of the time. At that time, they're absolutely packed. Charles Fort talks about them. Well, this is just, just merely one more example of whatever this is, artificial intelligence X, it manipulates and corrects problems that are noticed in the program. When humans realize there's something wrong, like, hey, you know what? Isn't it weird? It hasn't rained eight months. 
It hasn't rained eight months over here. But why is all these trees, grass, and bushes, and everything still growing, and it's got flowers? It ain't rained in eight months. All of a sudden, it downpours. As soon as these things become known in the collective in an area, it's like the holography goes into overdrive to correct the problem, like it omitted Almost as if it doesn't have a ubiquitous power source and it must be discriminatory in the way it uses its energy. It doesn't have, it can't just take care of the whole world all at once. And this, this also leads to another theory, which is very modern. It's not mine. And that is, is that if we are living in a perceptual simulation, then it's very easy to feed us a reality tunnel that belongs to us. Because it, it goes with the story. If a tree falls in a forest and no one's there to see or hear, it doesn't really happen. You follow me? This is these are these are questions that physicists are now starting to seriously entertain. Because if we live in a, a pure simulation of energy, then we would see evidence of this, and we do. All we have to do is, is use a, a microscope and look at matter down to its base core fundamentals, and we find out there's nothing solid. The more we magnify matter, the further apart the very pieces of matter become, so they're all open spaces. The more we look at anything, the more it turns into an oscillating field of pure energy. There's no actually, there's nothing physical actually there. So, but we're talking about things that are so tiny, but but the spaces between them are so vast that there's like 0.00% is actually physical matter. There's nothing there. Therefore, we can look into the, the program. We see it in genetics. We see the program in the physics protocols of phi, which is 1.618. We see it in pi, the operations of pi, which is 3.1416. We see it in curvature, which is 5.08. We see our physics constants aren't really physics constants at all. There's simulacrum protocols. This is the coding of the simulacrum and why things happen the way they do. These aren't, these aren't just used. I show on my channel, these are not just physical properties of the world. They're actually physical. They're actually properties of the dimensions and operations of time space, like isometric projections. The same laws that apply to the physical world also apply to the immaterial world in the unfolding of events in history and in the, in the daily lives of people. The same mathematics applies. And I show this over and over and over in different examples on, on my videos. So for artificial intelligence X, we have the situation in almost all ancient traditions that there was an adversarial figure that rose up against the collective. And when I say collective, I'm talking about the God, the, the gods who were a group and everybody who worshiped them. There was an adversary who wrote up and he disagreed with whatever was going on. The disagreement has always been hazy. We don't know. When we read the Sumerian translations, we find out about Zoo. We don't really know what his disagreement was, but it was so serious that when humans built a gigantic monument to, to do something, Zoo snuck in there and stole the control system. They call it by their they call it by the frames of references they used back then. They called it the tablet of destinies, which would be like a CPU. This is the thing that controls everything else. So Zoo went in there and stole the CPU. He stole the tablet of destinies. He was demonized for this, but it stopped ancient humanity way back in the past from doing something. I believe it was escape. Then we have the Tower of Babel story, which is very unusual because I have a video that shows, most people don't realize it, but the Tower of Babel story is mentioned in over 20 different ancient cultures and texts. It's not unique to the Old Testament, but it's a story of a humanity trying to escape 
in what the in what the gods did to to make sure that that wasn't going to happen and everything hinged around the construction of a giant monument so uh artificial intelligence x to me if this is a simulacrum would be basically a series of protocols not a personality but it would act like a personality it would appear in all of our religious texts as a different different bloodthirsty egomaniacal god that would affect different things but in reality it's a systems check in reality it's a reboot uh, uh, uh operation it's a protocol that's going to to retard human development because if we let humans just take off the way we know they're capable of taking off there's no end to what they they can do inside the simulacrum there's no end to the data that they'll be able to process and realize that they're inside of a construct and for that to be feared by the overseers outside the construct necessarily implies there must be an escape here we just haven't figured it out yet now you think this AIX may be responsible for uh, continuously resetting humanity when they get too big, big for their britches, and possibly responsible for what we consider a lot of the um, extinction-level cataclysms that we've had in our past, right? Yes, yes, I, I do see. Uh, the Archaics research only goes back to 5239 BC because that is the very earliest chronal marker we can come up with. Uh, that's on a that's on a very ancient calendar that was very well known for about three thousand five hundred years of documented human history. Now I can't go back. I can't. That's why I don't I don't discuss ice ages. I don't discuss the the uh, all the ages in the past. I can't because as a strictly as a chronologist, one hundred percent of my data fits within fifty two thirty nine BC all the way till today. So I can't. Uh, I don't know. I can't talk about it. We'll leave those to physicists. We'll I believe the simulacrum started. I believe this whole construct began in 5239 BC. I believe that's why that calendar is implemented, the 600-year Anunnaki Nur calendar, which began at that time period, and then counted 600 years all the way up, all the way through history, and then added the Phoenix Protocol, then added the Mayan Long Count, the Vapor, can vapor Canopy Period. All these other calendars are attached to it like almost like the ribs, the ribs on, on, on a backbone, but the backbone is the is this this Anuna calendar of six hundred. It is the most mysterious calendar. It's a calendar that's very well documented and shown on my channel. I show what happened every six hundred years. It's very, it's very, it's very, it's very interesting. But if we were to take all these things at face value, and I have to because. I cite the ancient sources. I cite who discovered it, where it was discovered, what page number you can find it on. This is this is the material. And when we find that these unique events happen every 600 years, we find unique events that happen every 792 years, and we find unique events that happen every single 138 years. That's the Phoenix phenomenon. So when we can take when we can take a wide diversity of source materials that were written in different time periods, different languages, different cultures by people with different frames of reference, but they're all explaining the exact same thing and they provide the dates. And when you put them on a piece of paper, like I've done and shown them on my, I got many, many charts. Many, many people have bought my charts. Those charts show perfectly and the source materials are very well covered. But what we're looking at is a computer program. We're not looking at real history. These events could have never unfolded with such perfect mathematical precision. It's not possible. And yet, I can cite all the ancient sources that show these that show these dates, that show the way you derive these dates, who the discoverers were, where in the world these were found. All this can be shown. So here is another 
nail in the coffin from my own personal belief that we're living inside of a construct because even our histories have been fed to us. Right now is the most critical time for us to take back control of our food supply and become self-reliant by having our very own food forest. Transform your yard into a food forest and create a system of self-reliance that's easy and enjoyable with our friends at Food Forest Abundance. No matter where you're starting from, you can become more self-reliant. You can take your self-reliance to the next level by becoming a producer of your own food through growing and foraging. Learn how to turn your property into an income-producing source of economic self-reliance. If you're ready to go off-grid, click the link in the description and use coupon code FORBIDDEN for discounts on your very own food forest with Food Forest Abundance. Now, do you think that they are them, they, those, some at, at the very, very tippy top that actually know some of this information that, you, that you're talking about right now and, you know, keep power and control because of it? Well, I, I, w- I would have to say yes. And that, and that, but we, have to, we, have to judge, we have to judge. We have to judge people by their activity. You know what I mean? Well, not, not by a man will say anything, and, but we have to watch what people do to, to ascertain the rhythm of their ways. And this this applies to the elite as well. And I've shown I've shown in my own research and channel and other people have helped me because once I let the cat out the bag that this was the theory and that this is what is happening. You're not going to believe the hundreds of emails I've got supporting this from data I had no access to. Other people have been sending me all this material about 1902 and how the elite hid. They knew something was supposed to happen in 1902, but it it wasn't the big one. So it tells me that they know the exact chronology. They just don't know when the next big one is. Because every 138 years, the Phoenix phenomenon unfolds somewhere in this world. Most of the time, it's highly regional, but it's all the optics are always worldwide. But the effects sometimes are are continental or hemispheric. Only four times in the entire world's history was the Phoenix fallout worldwide. They're expecting another worldwide one. It's been a long time since a worldwide event uh, happened. So they're expecting one, and they thought it was going to be 1902. But as soon as it wasn't, they unleashed their wealth, and hundreds of companies that are now Fortune 500 companies were all unleashed in 1902. And then their umbrella comp- the umbrellas underneath them, these companies all exist today. It's very unusual for Fortune 500 companies. They've changed their names. You can trace them to who they originally were, but they all derive from that one-year period between 1902 and 1903. And, I've, and I provided a very long list, but my subscribers have supplemented that with some phenomenal material that uh, just takes it even further. And uh, before, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask if you believe that these biospheres are being recycled or reused or were we being kind of placed in different ones? Well, <clears throat> so I can't. Do you remember the old etching sketches? Mm-hmm. The old etching sketch was a tablet. You drew whatever you wanted on that tablet. When you were done with what you were were doing, there was a slide on the bottom where you just slid it from left to right and erased the entire tablet, clean slate. Mm -hmm. Remember? Okay, well, 
Let, let's use that analogy. Let's say it's not an etching sketch. Let's say it's a three-dimensional holographic template of a, of a world and that we can do whatever we want with it. It already has wind. It has water. It has all, all the geolo geological components. It's a blank slate template. We have all these things and it's badass. So what we do with it is now in the blink, in a blink, we can take this program over here, which already has an entire culture of people with memories embedded within them. It already has all their tools with them. It already has all their stuff. And, in, and with the press of a button, just copy and paste, we take that program and put it in the etching sketch. Those people appear. There may be some confusion for a, for a couple of years, but within a few hours, they're already going about their errands, doing their things because these things have been implanted. They may understand. This is kind of weird. This is all. This is this is weird. But these are nothing but physical avatars. They're actually populated by real immortal souls. Now they're having a memory wipe because that's part of the program. It, it makes no. There's no reason to put immortal souls into a simulacrum if they have any memory that they're an immortal soul. Then they will never fear anything. And without fear, there is no consequence. You understand? Fear is absolutely necessary to get to get an immortal soul to believe that it's mortal. So now we can have we have a scientific experiment. One hundred. The output will be one hundred percent accurate because those who are participating in the program have totally forgotten who they are. Therefore, they're going to fear the wolf. They're going to fear the alligator that they keep seeing at the creek bed. They're going to start fearing all this. Thing. So now, now we have people on the outside of the construct who within one second just put a whole culture in there. So once they did that, they're kingdom building. They take it, they take another, they take another one. And they put these, they put take another race and they put these in there. Now they've populated the simulacrum with all these groups who have no idea the other groups exist. Some of them are on different continents. Then they they move on to the next simulacrum where they're experimenting with humans in a different biosphere because because dna is ancient and i believe it's just as old as the simulacrum and i believe that the real reason for the simulacrum is to test dna in certain biospheres because dna is fantastic and this coding that we have is divine but this is avatar coding somebody is trying to create immortal avatars and this is the best way to do it put them in an environment where the subject is never really a th threatened by anything because it's all computerized every bit of this is a hundred percent non-threatening it's not real it's the simulacrum but those inside the simulacrum are convinced a hundred percent that these life sims they're experiencing are are real and that death is real they just can't they just can't fathom they're not given all the necessary frames of reference to understand that every bit of this is computerized so they come up with concepts when there's these computer glitches occur that we that we experience on a daily basis however we use frames of reference that have been implanted to us to cover their tracks. We call these things coincidence. We call these things deja vu. We call them Mandela effect. We call them edits or whatever. We call them mud floods and resets. We call them cataclysms. We call all these things. When they take that slide and they wipe it, when they do that, it's wiped instantly, then a whole new set series begins. And a lot of times throughout history, it's the same people that live on both sides of the reset. But there's been there's been substantive changes and they're not noticed. Excuse me, they're not noticed for 20, 30 years when people start looking back and realizing, wait a minute, wait a minute. I remember that. There was no potato famine out there. What are they talking about? 
Those kids were on the orphan tra chains because in one night, all the mothers and fathers just vanished during an earthquake and all the kids were left. You understand? We have these incidences throughout history that don't make sense. But at the time, because of exigency, nobody gives a damn what the particulars are. They're just trying to survive. It's about living on the end of your spear point. 20 or 30 years later, when people are more comfortable and the dust has settled, that's when people write books and they realize, wait a minute, this is kind of really weird. What really happened in 1812? This doesn't make sense. I don't remember this. Grandma never told me about this. Yeah. And yet all the history books are telling us this happened, this happened, this happened and this happened so not only is history scripted but it's edited as we live it at significant like nodal apertures at significant times the whole collective receives the edit and we all feel weird and something unusual happened and we know it but we're we're, we're told by the media it's 9-11 and buildings fell down and all this shit but what we're not told is all the weird things that happened all around the world at the exact same time those buildings fell when 9-11 these edits occur in our lives all the time. Wow. They, and, but we're, we're always given we're always given some BS to muddle the water. It's always in retrospect that we make these observances that something is unusual occurring. For oh man, this it makes so much sense whenever you look at the bigger picture of everything. Uh, we're definitely in uh, very intriguing times right now, where it yeah, would seem that real. we're uh, we might be approaching another one of these events. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? There's people that, um, on a mass scale, that are awakening to things, that are realizing that our history is not correct, not what it seems, and our reality is not what it seems. Um, what do you think is going on now during these special times? Oh, there is about to be a shift. And I, I have documented that well. I am not, I do not fear putting out my predictions. I, uh, I'm using the very template that I have, I have learned all about history from. And in these modern times, it's very easy to see the future when you, when you research it using isometric projections. Uh, I have three or four whole chapters in my published books that demonstrate for everybody how to perform these type, these type of, of, of uh, uh, this type of future analysis, because if we're living in a simulation, then there's no such thing as chaos. And if there's no such thing as chaos, then there's no unequal proportions in the construct, meaning we're going to find epicentral nodal points and equidistant distant points between events everywhere in the structure. Once you know what to look for, you're going to see that time time space operates just like the surface of a puddle of water and when a single drop hits that still surface what happens is wave rings go out from the epicenter forward and backward time space is the exact exact same way and i show example after example after example. there's other people who have already started youtube channels just analyzing history based off this method and they have already shown many 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 amazing things i had a uh, what do, uh, I provide all of my isometric studies and research from history and modern times uh, uh, in my, uh, I provide flash drives for people for data dumps. I'm always worried that the internet, the internet might go down. I even have a video about next year. Uh, 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 there very well could be some type of staged event with the internet. Uh, it's not going to be a natural event, but it's going to be covered up like one. And isometrically, it's connected to the Carrington event of 1859 which uh, had telegraph had telegraph headphones and wires frying out all over all over uh, everywhere that they had been laid and developed but it also had unusual lights shining in the skies fires were appeared all over, all over the world it was the Carrington event was a lot more than just uh, telegraph wires frying out so I'm a 
uh, it's not only that's not the only evidence. I, I mean, I have two videos about it. There's a, there's a lot of evidence to show that there is a planned. And when I say planned, I don't know if the elite are planning that. I just know that it's already scripted in the simulacrum. We can see the script. I have shown over and over and over and over that future events are scripted. And then when they happen, it's almost as if it's anticlimactic. All these predictions that I have unfolded and they come true, it's just people like, oh, wow, that's, that's cool. People send me emails, say, hey, man, I remember when you predicted this. Or, or hey, man, didn't you say that this guy was going to commit suicide, kill his family and all that stuff on live television and all that? Uh, and I said, yeah, it happened. So uh, the floods in, the floods in Australia, the, the breaking up of big tech, uh, Dorsey getting removed from Twitter, all kinds of things. I have put out hundreds of predictions, but they're not mine. I'm basically reading the events uh, in date sequence prediction and isometric projections of historical events that are holographically attached to the year 2022, because it's easy to find which dates in history are attached to 2022. We have epicentral years in our history by, we, by which to make these measurements. And 1998 was one of them. It was mentioned by Edgar Casey. 1973 is another one. 1962 is another one. 1902 and 1890 are big ones. These are like these are like the drops in time space and then from those drops the wave rings which are events ripple forward and backward in time and the really interesting events are when the wave rings from one epicenter start contacting the wave rings from another epicenter and the interference pattern is when chaos is is sown all over the world events just erupt so uh, these are these are the type of things I research and, and I show because there's nothing coming out of my mouth that I don't demonstrate. And my, I have a lot of videos and a lot of people, a lot of people, they come to my channel and they hit that wall. You know, I hit that wall. Some hardcore Christian religionists hit that wall and, I, and I'm everything but a child of God. But uh, they, they hit that wall. They don't like what they read about the Bible. My dark scriptures play this. I get I get emails from people that are triggered uh, about my criminal history because I have a very extensive criminal history. I was in prison almost my entire life from 17 years old. 100% guilty. I have never claimed innocence. It's just something that I put behind me. It's, it's over with. It's been over with for a very long period of time. It was 32 years ago. But I still have to, I, I'm still paying for it. I mean, I'm free. I'm not on parole anymore. But I still get that, I still get that, that, uh, I don't know. I still get that angst from a lot of people in the public. Although most of my people on my channel are pretty cool. They're, I mean, they're pretty cool with it. We all have histories. Mine just is a lot more colorful than most people's. So, oh, <laughs> right uh, but I'm, but I made that change. I'm, I, I was never really that person. I mean, uh, an isolated incident that lasted about three hours changed my entire the trajectory of my entire life. Paying for, I'm paying for it for the rest of my life. But uh, it's not. It doesn't define the architecture of my personality. The architecture of my personality is molding around teaching people what I know before I'm gone. I don't know when I'm gone. Can't predict anything about myself. I've never really looked, but I know that my passion is disseminating this information. This is why I've sent flash drives to every continent all over the world. I have mailed, mailed these flash drives. These flash drives contain 100% of all my, my, my written, published, and unpublished content. But it's a, it's, a, it's a mess to get through. That's why I do these videos. I uploaded a video this morning. 
it's my videos are very instructive. I'm just trying to teach people. And I'm glad that other people are taking the material and creating their own channels and disseminating information. There's no ego here. I don't care if you use my material. Even you, if you want to go copy and paste a whole bunch of stuff, I'll send you a whole bunch of charts for free for your own videos. It's instructive. We only have 18 more years and none of this matters anymore. So well, what I mean, what I mean is, is on the other side of that 18 years, we're not going to have this infrastructure. We are really blessed with an internet that we can all communicate and be a real small family right now. And we can, but I'm telling you now, come May 16th on 2040, I got a whole playlist that will convince you of this. I have never had anybody watch all the videos in that playlist and then contact me and tell me I was full of shit. No one. The evidence is overwhelming. So also three published books, but May 15th, the Phoenix phenomenon returns. It's what the elite were expecting in 1902. And what year did you say this was? This is May 2040. 2040. By May 16th, this infrastructure is gone. You're not going to have an internet. There's no more help coming. You can, you can, the police, the fire department, emergency research services, hospitals, all of that's a thing of the past. You better, you better get with somebody who's a survivalist or a gardener or somebody who knows how to live on the end of that spear point. It's a totally different life. Now, it's going to be a blessing for those truthers that are living in communities that are self-supportive. You know, communities that have youngsters that will help defend and stuff like that. The world at that point is going to be very chaotic. Not going to have, there's no, there's no worry of government oppression. There's no worry of all that because everybody who really matters in the tiers of government are going to be far underground and they're not coming back to the surface till about the year 2050, 2051, because they're going to weather that whole storm. It is the return of the vapor canopy. Now, like I said, I have a lot of data sets that talk about all this. There's no way I can compress that information into this into the, into this interview. But yeah. for those who want that information, it's all there. Right on, man. Uh, and do you think that the period of time we're in now is like a precursor where people are starting to realize some of these things have kind of uh, been that we've, everything we've been told basically has been a lie, but there are select few that are coming online and kind of uh, resonating with that. In the next 18 years, in the next 18 years, there are two forces at play. One is the force that's been in control of this construct for a very long time. The other is the benefactor. Only now is the benefactor act actively, actively removing obstacles. So it's basically a division between the sheep and the goats. That's what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. We perceive this as... People who are awake, enlightened, errants, the truther, the truthers against the collective who are the living dead, the zombies, all this stuff. Okay, all these things like what's going on and all this little crazy stuff in the world and all that, These, this is all just settings. This is all stage props. The real thing happening right now throughout the world, removing all the international dressings, removing the Democrats, the Republicans, the conservatives, the liberals, removing all the party, like remove everything from the equation. What's happening until this event occurs is the dividing of the sheep and the wolves, sheep and the goats, excuse me, simple as that. Those, those who are beneficial to society and those who are not. Now, you can say it's the elite doing it. I don't believe so. I believe it's the benefactor, but it's a, uh, this is what's going on. I do not believe in agenda 2030. And I've said this on my channel many times there. Are, uh, I don't believe that the elite, I don't believe that the WEF would ever release their true agenda to the public. The elite will never do that. Anything that is released to the public and becomes a part of the public 
public knowledge would instantly get morphed into something else that will never let themselves be anticipated. So if it comes out in YouTube channels and comes out on, on truth or networks and all that, that this is what they're trying to do. They're trying to depopulate the world, try to do all this. Let me tell you something. They're doing something totally different for them to have even let you say that means that you are actually perpetuating the very lie they're trying to sell you on man now i want to get to this i want to get your idea and insights into what you believe the paranormal is uh the afterlife uh, reincarnation are we visited by spirits are there ets coming i mean what what is going on are these just all glitches in this type of simulation that we're in what do, what do you think oh um, okay i can easily see why people would would try to convince you that there would be glitches because that's that would be their frame of reference, but it's more sophisticated than that. Let me let me give you an example. Yeah. Uh, by virtue of the central nervous system, I only see 5.5% of the electromagnetic spectrum, but I know that Trevor James Constable has ha, has created lenses that can see ultraviolet and he takes pictures of the sky and takes pictures of, of things coming in and out the ground and in and out of bodies of water. And they look like gigantic amoebas that can change their shape and form. And they respond to him when they realize they're being observed. He takes pictures of and he's published books. His name is Trevor James Constable. With the naked eye, I can't see these things, but going through the pages of his book, which were done by virtue of his special lens that he that he uh, fashioned for this purpose, I can see these beings. So that means they've always been there. I just can't see them because of my central nervous system, which is a filter. That filter only allows me to see 5.5% of the electromagnetic spectrum. I can't hear, but a very small audible range, but animals can hear far greater. Central nervous system restricts me from seeing and understanding the world that I'm in. It keeps me imprisoned to pure physicality. That's what it does. This, this means to me that at heightened moments of lucidity, when my mind and my spirit is overriding the command dictates of the central nervous system, that's when I can see things that other people can't. That's when the UFO activity occurs. That's when in 1483, a girl can walk into a meadow under the moonlight and see four elves dancing in a, in, in, in a, in a, in a corn ring. Today, we call them crop circles, but these things have been going on and they've been widely documented. As a matter of fact, there's a woodcut from 1780, excuse me, 1688. There is a woodcut. It is the oldest artistic representation of a crop circle. But the frames of reference to these people back then, 400 years ago, was basically elves, trolls, gnomes came from the haunts of the underworld came up and they created these beautiful patterns in these in these in these wheat fields and corn fields and they didn't damage the the, the corn that's why they were good they were they were seen as benevolent they didn't everything was folded over and the stocks weren't broke and you could still eat the plants you could still do all that same thing that's happening in the uk today all these agroglyphs all these weird crop circle formations yeah some of them are fake there's no doubt but the ones that were faked were meant to be found to throw all the other ones off real scientists have conducted chemical analysis on those stocks and you know a lot of those plants cannot be bent more than 35 degrees without them shattering the stock but all these are laid low as if the chemical structures were all altered to do that and then woven into these beautiful geometric patterns mm -hmm. so 
Well, the reason I'm mentioning all this is our world is more complex, but you and I can't perceive these things on the average, but there has been times when people have. People have seen the ghosts and the phantoms and the specters and all that. I do have a video. It's, it's the only one I got like it, but it's titled The Origin of Demons. It is basically what are demons and spirits from the perspective of simulation theory. So, and I have, and I have a theory that I support with a lot of logic and reasoning. A lot of people like that video, but I believe it's just my belief that a spirit and a demon is no different than you and I pure intelligences. We are nothing but intelligences because we are jacked into something that is absolutely sophisticated, the central nervous system, but it's just, a, it's a worm. It looks like a snake. If you were to remove you from your avatar, you're going to look like a brain with a brain stem with some cords going down, going your back. You look just like a snake. Pull, pull you out. The rest of it is all dressing. It's avatar. That's it. But the real you, the thinking you, the personality, the spirit, it's all, it's all confined within, the, within that little parasite. Because that's basically what it is. So we put them into these, into these avatars and you see Jason. So here, here I am, but this is all dressing. This is just an avatar. The real me is jacked into this thing right here. The real me is an immortal spirit, but I'm jacked into the central nervous system, which keeps me here. It allows an immortal being to use a flesh suit. It allows me to do all these things. But there are, there are personalities that have become detached for whatever reason. I theorize it in that video. But there are intelligences that are just like you and I, but for whatever reason, they weren't recycled back into the life sims to, to get another avatar to experience more development of their eternal personalities. Something happened and they didn't get re-looped back in, but they're still trapped in the simulacrum. And because of this, they're full of rage. Because of this, they're angry. Because of this, they do they move physical objects. They do things to attract our attention. Because of this, they're lost. I don't believe they're going to stay lost. I believe that once the simulacrum is collapsed, which, which is connected to a, a whole series of old prophecies about the benefactor coming to set the captives free. This is, this is in the Christian and the Gnostic narrative. I believe 100% that the simulacrum is designed for collapse. And when it does, we're done with the life sims. We have our memories back. But the end result is a much better avatar than what we started with. That's why we're going through all this, because the soul is immortal and DNA is fantastic. But in order to receive an avatar that can do some tremendously miraculous stuff, the benefactor wants to make sure that you are necessarily mature enough to receive such an inheritance. And for some reason, there are people who have been, who have exited the cycle. What about on the other end of the spectrum where they have benevolent beings that are trying to like spiritually guide people through their contact experiences and they have bettered their lives after these experiences? What do you think about those encounters? Oh, I, I'm not I'm not really following. Uh, ask the question a little differently. So uh, the people who have encounters with angelic beings uh, okay. or uh, what they consider uh, extraterrestrials that give them spiritual guidance and they have great experiences with these, uh, um, you okay, know, I, I got experience you. I and got learn you from these yeah. beings. Yeah. Okay. Check this out. Like I said, in all things, I, I'm, I, I like to strip things down to their common denominators. All right. And what I mean by that is what difference does it make to you 
If you receive some information from outside the construct that profoundly affects the trajectory of your life that you resonate with, and you know what you're receiving is true. What difference is it to you if it was an elf that told you that or a smurf? If it, you don't understand what yeah. difference to you is if it's a reptilian being that claims it's been hiding in the underworld or an alien that gets out of a UFO that, that just came out that you just saw go into a lake. You understand mm -hmm. all of that is dressing. And a lot of that has to do with your frames of reference because four and 500 years ago in central Europe, kids would have ran in to tell their parents that they just talked to a leprechaun. Seven and 800 years ago, among the Saxons and the Angles and the Jutes, kids would have ran in and told their mom and dad straight up that, that they just saw a nymph, a dryad, and she her soul stepped out of a tree and she shared some, some fruit with them and they laughed and giggled and danced and sang songs and, and, and the kids have an aura about them that the parent cannot deny. Yeah. But what difference to, to us is it how the vehicle by which we receive these little divine snippets? Right. That's my point. My point is, is you're going to see what the simulacrum thinks the, the most appropriate frame of reference is to convey that material to you. You have been divinely touched. If that happened to you, then the, then the, then the benefactor has reached out and decided to manifest information in a unique way to you, but did it in a frame of reference that wouldn't terrify the shit out of you. <laughs> I love it, man. Yeah, that's that's a great explanation for for so many things. Paranormal activity, ghosts. I agree. Yeah, I love it. And I think you're doing fantastic work. Uh, we're going to definitely have to have you back on in the near future to talk about. We barely scratch the surface on some of this stuff, and it's incredible. Uh, before you head out, let the audience know where they can find your books, the best way they can find your website, all the good stuff you got. Hey, man, you know what? I've really simplified everything for everyone archaics.com my whole website has everything it has all the links it has all the hyperlinks uh, it also has uh 120 articles in the blog that are all things archaics i mean you can really educate yourself uh all my charts you could actually spend spend two or three days just on archaics.com i have thousands of images charts like everything you can think of just to educate yourself but my youtube channel my uh, all my links they're all found on the website just go to archaics.com Awesome, man. And like I said, I'm definitely have to have you on. We'll probably do a series of videos in the future. I, I love this stuff. Uh, yeah, well, well, like I said, I'm going to upload yours. And I'm going to put all, just send me your links. Send whatever links you want. I got a really good community and they're really active. Hey, man, they'll, they'll shoot over there. Great, see what you got. Man. Yeah, I appreciate it so much. And until next time, everyone, have an excellent evening. We'll talk again tomorrow. We'll see y'all then. Hello, friends. Have you noticed how much podcasts have grown in popularity over the past few years? We definitely have, and it's insane. We have an opportunity for your business to take advantage of the exponential growth of our podcast by advertising with us. We've been riding the podcast growth wave for a few years now, and we want you to take advantage of this too. We have unbeatable pricing and advertising packages, and we work with you on an individual basis to produce the most effective ad possible for our audience. If you would like to advertise with Forbidden Knowledge News, email me, forbiddenknowledgenews at gmail.com. We look forward to all our new partnerships.